times are strange We gotta free our grade for Snakes on a plane for Come on, I don't care Pop the cheap champagne We're going down in flames Hey! Good day. Yes, hello everybody. Welcome to hopefully a non-lost version of yeah. of the Snakes on a Plane edition of the film room. Yeah, we, we we lost this one last time and we're not going to lose it again. Watching this thing like a hawk. Yeah, <laughs> on this week's episode we're going to take a look at the Ur internet hype movie, Snakes on a Plane. We're going to examine why it flopped. What has changed in the last uh, 10 years since it came out, and what hasn't changed. And more than anything else, if you come away from this episode with anything else, we hope that you get the desire to see the movie. Yeah. That, that That's kind of our big mission today, is that if you haven't seen the movie, we want you to see it, because you just gotta see it. Yeah, that's our opinion up front, is a recommend. Yeah, an easy recommend, too. This is a wonderful, fun goofy movie that deserves your time well again um let's discuss it's impossible to discuss this movie without going on ahead and before we even get to the film itself discussing the whole backstory because this movie the backstory is so absurdly complicated for such a simple small film this movie has its origins in actually something kind of awesome. This movie has its origins in uh, studio executives trying to uh, top each other by describing the worst pitch they'd ever heard. And one executive mentioned that he'd heard a pitch for a movie about snakes infesting an airplane. It was decided, you know what, let's run with it, let's actually make that movie. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yes. The script was put together from the pitch. Um, the plan was to do a PG-13 small movie at, uh, it wound up getting set up at New Line during their, basically this was kind of during the period where New Line was starting to collapse. Post Lord of the Rings, New Line had not been able to get any traction going. They hadn't been able to find any hits. They were not able to recapture the magic. A year later, they would decide that the uh, best way to try and recapture that magic was with uh, the Golden Compass. Uh, that did not go. Oh, yeah, ooh. yeah, that did not go well Ouch. at all. That went about as badly as humanly possible. <clears throat> it turns out that doing a movie that uh, flips off uh, the religious right uh, at the uh, and <laughs> releasing it in December may have been a bad idea. Yeah, from what I've heard, is basically um, if yeah, Narnia is an allegory for Christianity. This is the complete opposite. Yeah. And on top of everything else, it wasn't a very well-liked movie. That's kind of the big thing that we need to point out. It wasn't a very critically yeah. acclaimed film. Uh, Roger Ebert was the only one to give it any real strong recommendation. It just wasn't a popular movie. Uh, I remember that the, that the uh, day that they were doing a sneak preview of it, I decided to force myself to see the Coen Brothers movie that I had been putting off that day. I would have rather watched... I decided I would have rather watched a movie I didn't really want to go see then watch that one. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Well, just to put the burn in, the film turned out to be the best film of the entire decade. So, you know, good for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you was, go. Uh, no Country for Old Men. So, yeah, I, I wound up okay. So, anyway, that's, that's kind of a little bit of background on New Line. Here's what happened with the film itself. 
initially the film was going to be there was a uh, one director who was originally signed on uh he dropped out when it became clear the film was going to be going in a little bit sillier direction than he liked uh samuel l jackson was signed on very early on in uh development and jackson's agent famously tried to get the film's title changed uh to pacific air 121 jackson stepped in himself and said no it's such a vanilla title it's such a bland title and it would have caused the mm-hmm. movie to... T- I think the movie would have made less money with that title. God, yeah. Jackson stepped in and said, no, we're calling it Snakes on a Plane. It's like, this is what I signed on for. Yeah. I signed on for the title. Yeah, he signed on for the title. What happened next is a subject of internet infamy. Word of the movie started to leak out on the internet, and it became a running joke on the internet. That's it's such a... Like, the title carries all the weight of that which is really funny. Like, nothing else, from my memory, nothing else really leaked besides, hey, they're making a movie called Snakes on a Plane. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. That was the entire... Yeah. It stars... I'm not sure if... I'm not sure if it was even leaked that Sam Jackson was going to be in it yet. Y- yeah. I, I think he was... But, I think I think he that was when people started to talk about it because they knew that he was going to be in it and it was like the thought of Samuel L. Jackson fighting snakes on a plane sounded entertaining. Yes. Some guys that were uh, uh, at a small audiobook company uh, known as Graphic Audio released a fake audio trailer for it that included a fateful line. I'm motherfucker Samuel L. Jackson, you motherfucker! I'm doing this for my people. The one and only bad motherfucker Samuel L. Jackson was on the plane. And he's throwing a badass motherfucking hissy fit. What the fuck? My understanding, near as I can trace it, is that's where the line traces to, is they included that. Again, the movie was originally going to be PG-13, and you certainly can't use that phrase in a PG-13 movie. Right. So, initially, that's where it it appears to have started with the graphic audio fake trailer. Uh, Graphic audio, uh, I've mentioned them a few times before. Graphic audio is awesome. Fully on board with what they do. They do amazing uh, audiobooks. They do somewhere between radio drama and uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the audiobooks. They're, they're they're awesome. So yeah, yeah, big fan, yeah. big fan of them. So they did this fake trailer, and in exchange, they wound up later on getting to do an audio drama version of the movie, which I have heard. Uh, I once took a drive from uh, Memphis to Little Rock listening to it, and uh, <laughs> let me tell you, it's not as good as the finished film. Yeah, so so that was out there. They that that was there. That was sort of how that that was one thing that helped launch them. So what started was you wound up getting fan art after fan art after people doing fan posters, people websites popping up. I mean, this became huge, and New Line started to get really excited about the movie. New Line started to think they had a real huge hit on their hands, mm-hmm. and then the movie was released, and with all of this huge internet buzz. The film barely broke even. The studio, uh, the head of New Line wound up eventually calling it one of the big disappointments of the year. He was really let down by it. Uh, Everybody, the film did not perform at all to expectations. It actually did fairly well um, with critics, in part because because of the internet hype, they did push it up to a PG-13. They did push it up from a PG-13 to an R, and they did do reshoots to try and make it crazier. Which yeah. probably led to the stronger critical response. It got solid reviews. Um, 
I know a number of people who were skeptical about it who really wound up enjoying it. It, it was a case where the cult formed without the cult actually going to see the film. Yeah. that That's pretty much the long and short of it. This was a cult movie that formed without the cult actually deciding to go see the movie. They just thought it was funny. It was a meme, but nobody actually wanted to throw down the money to go see it. Which is a shame. Well, let's talk about the movie. Because I did see it in theaters. I actually saw it at the first showing in Con... And let me tell you this. This movie did play great to an audience. This movie played wonderfully to an audience. And had audiences gone to see it, they would have enjoyed it. Before we get to the movie, we should hit on one very important factor, too, that um, came up, which was the uh, this was the first movie that the Asylum did a uh, mockbuster for. This was their first mockbuster. Yeah. Um, Snakes on a train. Which is weird. It's really weird. And mostly plays it straight, from what I understand. Um, it's a movie about a woman who is cur- cursed to have snakes come out of her body. And she's trapped oh, on a train. That's a stupid wow. premise. That's a very stupid premise. That's a lazy premise. That's a lazy premise. So that's the premise. This I mean, this... Something that will come up uh, is that this movie, while the premise is pretty ridiculous, they do not lays it up. No. When the movie came out, a number of people that I know were like, I don't know if it's going to be a good or a bad movie. I don't know what it's going to be. They could not figure out what the genre was. Let's make it clear. This movie is a comedy. It is an action comedy. It is, to a certain degree, a horror comedy. It is a comedy, though. It is... No doubt about it, a comedy. This is a movie where David Koechner plays the uh, one of the main pilots and Kenan Thompson winds up playing a role in saving the day. How much clearer can I make it? This movie is a comedy. This movie is an attempt at spoofing the uh, disaster movie genre, is what this movie fundamentally is. It is a ridiculous, absurd, comical premise and the movie knows it. It, it. it is not a case of so bad it's good. It is a comedy. It is not trying to be serious in any way. And God bless it for that because it knocks it out of the park. What's also great is they set more things up than most of your so bad it's good movies mm-hmm. would. Oh, it's an extremely good script. Yeah. It, it is a script that is wall-to-wall set up and payoff. Oh, yeah, yeah, straight up. You, you know whose films it reminds me of in that way? is It's it's very Edgar Wright-esque. Yes. Oh, yeah, Edgar Wright is notorious for uh, putting a lot of setup and payoff in his script. Like, he is, for, I don't want to say formulaic on that, but you know what I'm saying. Dependable. He's pretty um, dependable, yeah, on that. Yeah, because, wow, this movie is just wall-to-wall set up i mean yeah yeah he just yeah he sticks to that and this this does no this does no different the premise is not in any way simple a uh, surfer witnesses a mob hit and the uh fbi and the fbi is sent to uh protect him as he goes to testify in the trial which by the way Right after the opening credits, that just boom yeah. happens. He witnesses a mob hit. 
Yeah. It's like, and like within five minutes, he's in the interrogation room. Mm-hmm. Uh, within five minutes of the movie, it's like, wow, this movie does not fuck around. No. This is a very fast moving movie. There's no air in this movie. And that, and that's good because it's, again, it's an action comedy. If there was air, we'd stop and think about how stupid it is and not in the way that the filmmakers intended. Um, exactly. He's put on a plane to uh, keep himself protected. Uh, he, since he lives in Hawaii and has to fly to California, it's going to be, you know, a flight over the ocean. This is when the mobster, who, by the way, when we see him executing this hit, we see that he's crazy. We see that he's a dangerous lunatic right from the word go. We see that he's prone to bizarre flights of behavior right from the first time that we see this guy. And his, his plan is to infest the plane filled with venomous snakes and cause the plane to crash and th- then the guy can't testify. Even in the movie, this is pointed out as being a very stupid and strange idea. <laughs> yes, I believe there's a line in there that hints at something like, uh, "It's like why would he? Why would he do this? This is crazy." Well, you know, he can't testify if he's if the plane doesn't reach the if the plane doesn't reach the mainland, something like that. Yeah, it, it's just it, it is. This is the most absurd, implausible, over the top method. Now. And it gets even stranger because one because what they do is everybody on the plane has lays that have been uh, sprayed down with pheromones. So basically the snakes are on crack when they uh, arrive and are ready to attack and fight. Yeah, and that's the explanation for, you know, let's, that, I think that's one of the brilliant things in this movie is that the movie itself points out all the plot holes for, it, for you. Yeah, which... Again, <laughs> and just kind of explains them away. <laughs> yeah, it, it they actually had to step in and go. Okay, we know that audiences are going to think this is stupid, so let's actually try and be smarter than they are. Uh, yeah, let's let's at least let's at least level with these guys. It's like, hey, yeah, look, we know. <laughs> yeah, which which is what makes it a comedy. <laughs> I mean. And it should be pointed out that once the snake attacks start, every single character in the movie is rolling their eyes at the absurdity of it. Uh, Jack- mm-hmm. Jackson spends the entire movie going, I cannot believe this is going on. You've got to be kidding me. This is the craziest thing that has ever happened to me. And oh, Jack- Jackson sells it in this movie because he finds just the perfect tone. He's never too serious. He's never too straight-laced. He's always just like, okay, this is what's going on. This is stupid, but you know what? This is happening. Got to get through it. Now let's talk about the people on the plane, because that's that's one of the fun things about this movie, is that everybody on the plane is a walking cliche. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of characters set up in this movie mm-hmm. for the minor characters. Yeah. There's a lot of characters set up, and that's nice. It is kind of nice. We actually do get to know a number of these people. And the movie has fun with us, because we can't automatically tell who's going to die. Right. Yeah, there's uh, starting off. There's a there's a rap there's a famous rapper on the plane with his uh, with his entourage. That's uh, Keenan Thompson as part of the entourage. And there's uh, uh... by the way, real quick, we have to say, point out something about the rapper that is kind of cool. Uh, his character trait is that he has severe obsessive compul- uh, compulsive disorder. 
which is oh yeah yeah well, he's a germaphobe yeah he's a severe germaphobe and he's prone to um, echolalia and uh, which is something that was more pointed out in the novelization which I've read <laughs> yeah I've read the novelization yes. I've listened to the audio drama I know this movie um, yeah he's got but he's very but he's uh, got severe uh, OCD which is kind of is a, a trait that shows that okay they stopped and thought about this for a little bit longer than just Okay, throw on the cliches. But yeah, you've got two kids that are traveling. Yeah, traveling alone. Yeah, under the supervision of one of the uh, one of the stewardesses. And oh yeah, yeah, you've got the you've got the stewardess that's exactly one day away from retirement. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is her last flight. <laughs> and it is her last flight because she will, of course, wind up dying heroically. Oh yeah, yeah. She saves a baby. Yeah. Um uh, Oh, yeah, there's a baby on the plane. There's a dog on the plane. There's a chihuahua. It occurs to me, by the way, and I didn't point this out in the first record, that, okay, the studio executive was so annoyed by this. Uh, the actress that played the uh, flight attendant that dies, that's his sister, actually. That's who's, that's the exec, studio exec sister? Yeah, that's that, That's the executive's sister. Maybe Really? Yeah, maybe this was a more, maybe that explains why he was so annoyed by this. Maybe this was a little bit personal for him. But, yeah, that's, that's his uh, sister. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so, yeah, in that light, maybe you can understand. Why, because she dies? No, because the movie wasn't a bigger hit, and, you know, you feel for your family members. Uh... Yeah, in that light, it kind of makes sense, but, yeah. um, But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, but, yeah, you've got the flight attendant. You've also got the flight attendant who is looking at a new career, uh, played by Juliana Margulies, just uh, really between uh, ER and uh, The Good Wife. And she's quite. She's a. She has a bit of a flirtation going on with uh, Jackson in the movie. Uh, they they actually have really nice chemistry. Um, there's also, of course, the young uh, stewardess who must be the uh, love interest for the witness. Although he really does not get any character traits beyond he's a, he's the witness. He's the surfer. He has to be kept alive. He is the MacGuffin of the movie. Let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he there's. There's the one that's the obvious love interest for him. There's also a stereotypically flaming gay uh, flight attendant who is talking nonstop about his girlfriend, which nobody believes. Oh, yeah. And which we can (laughs) all see the punchline for that one coming a mile away. Spoiler alert, the girlfriend exists. Yeah. (laughs) Which, by the way, this scene is actually really... That whole character is profoundly offensive, but you know what? I'm giving it to this Mm. movie in this... Let's see, you've also got, we. God, there's so many characters we have to get to. You've got the asshole businessman who we know is going to die. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and he gets his... Um, he gets his good. Like, I mentioned the I mentioned the dog earlier. Like, I think I, think I texted you right when, he sh- right when that uh, chihuahua shows up. It's like, oh, that dog's going to yeah. get eaten. Yeah, yeah, there's... There is a chihuahua in the movie that gets thrown to one of the snakes by a uh, by this asshole businessman. By the asshole businessman. And of course, then he immediately gets killed immediately thereafter. Because, y- yes. you know, you kill a dog, you deserve it. That's another thing. You can't be sure that the dog's going to live. Uh, the dog belongs yeah. to a character <laughs> who is so transparently Paris Hilton, it's kind of hilarious. And... We expect her, because this was right at the point where everybody was really sick of Hilton, we expect her to die horribly. No. No. No, she actually winds up playing a vital role in the plot because, 
And this was something that we talked about again on the first record. I feel like we're making y'all uh, be all too aware of a phantom here, you know. But, um, you know, this was right at the very dawn of camera phones. So when she pulls out her camera yeah. phone, it's treated as shocking to the viewers. Because they're like, mm-hmm. we, we need a way to get a camera and, uh, and a computer right now, but we're up in the air and we don't have any of that. But she does. Yeah. Because they need to be able to identify, to be clear, they need to identify. That's true. Yeah, and I think that was something that I, uh, that I uh, posed to you uh, while watching it. It's like, you know, this was 2006. Like, this is 10 years ago. Nothing ha- Watching this, nothing has changed except for the smartphones. There are no smartphones. That's it. But by God, there there is. There is. It's just that this is the very dawn of it. But because they need, yeah. they need the smartphones to be able to identify what anti-venom to get. And uh, because there is a guy on the ground. Uh, Jackson's partner is on the ground. He's working with... Uh, uh, this movie is so filled with awesome actors. Uh, Todd Luizzo from uh, uh, High Fidelity is... Uh, yes. He's the snake expert that gets called in. Um, seriously, this movie's cast is absurd. It's just... To me, the cast alone makes this worth seeing. You know, Jackson, Margulies, um David Koechner, um, Luizzo, uh, the uh, partner is played by uh, stage... Uh, Bobby Cannavale, who's done a lot of stage work. You've got, um, I mean, Thompson is really fun here. Uh, this was the first, this was between all that and uh, SNL for him. And uh, yeah, he's fun. And he does great. He does great. Uh, there's just, there's a really, really good cast uh, here. So yeah, I mean, you've got all these things. And again, it's just this, this movie is just this ridiculous, absurd premise but man, does it take advantage of every bit of it? Yeah, and one I think one of my favorite setups that the movie has is that the way this plane is designed is weird because uh, it's a it's a two story plane. Uh, coaches on the bottom level, and then there are like winding stairs leading up to uh, first class. And this plane was already booked. Last minute, the FBI bought all the seats in first class so that they could, so that Sam Jackson, uh, his partner, and the kid could uh, could ride in solitude, uh, and that's that's a major plot point in the yeah, film. Yeah, it, it does become that. Uh, for the record, that's not how it would actually go in reality. In reality, you want to be as inconspicuous as possible, so it wouldn't have gone that way. But right. this is but look, this is very much not a movie that cares about reality. Um, at one point, a snake gets flung into a microwave, and the setting that's hit on the microwave is snake. <laughs> Something I didn't notice. You have to be looking very closely for it. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, seriously, this movie has a huge attention to detail. Um, what I love about this movie is that there is not a single missed opportunity in this movie. It does feel exactly like... Uh... Uh, crossing off ideas in a writer's room. Mm-hmm. This crossing off a list from a writer, which in the best possible way, in the most fun possible way. Well, that's what movies like this are supposed to be. Exactly. It's like, okay, snake bites a guy in the mm-hmm. dick. All right. <laughs> a snake bites <laughs> and the- a woman on her breast um, during a sex scene. Yeah. Um, 
a very obvious body double, no less, by the way. Like, like it's kind of funny how obvious that scene was in it, was one of the reshoots. Um, oh, and by the way, that's that's the first kill, and how you can tell they're going to be killed right off is A, they're having sex, and B, they're smoking weed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and their downfall is try- is taking the smoke detector out, which allows the snakes to get in. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Brilliantly orchestrated. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And by the way, the male part of the uh, couple is eternal jinx on anything that's trying to be successful. Taylor Kitsch, who has a record of flops, t- t- just one of the most astonishing records of flops in the entire movie industry. Um, off the top of my head, uh, let me make a list of them. There's this movie, which again, I love it to death, but it definitely was an underperformer. You've got... Um, the Covenant did well, but I don't exactly think it comes off as a movie that people particularly like. He was in John Carter, which is a pretty good movie and deserved better, but still a huge flop. Battleship, which I've never heard much of a defense for. Uh, the Oliver Stone de- debacle, Savages, which I've heard was atrocious. Um, all, all you have to say is Oliver Stone yeah, on that one. Yeah. The film room's official policy is that I do we not like really do not like Oliver Stone, and uh, I think it's I think it's a pretty bad sign that his new movie keeps getting pushed back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are there are times when it's a good thing that your movie is pushed back, and yeah, this is not one of them. Uh, you've got uh, he was in True Detective season two, which I guess he was hoping was going to break that curse. <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. He was in X-Men Origins Wolverine, where uh, he played Gambit and has now been replaced uh, with Channing Tatum. Oh, that's a major upgrade. That's a major upgrade. Yeah, um, yeah, Tatum's actually probably going to do really great in that part. He's because that's the that's the part that because that's going to let him do what he does best, which is be charming and physical and funny. Yeah, he, he's going to make an awesome Gambit. I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so. Yeah. So you've got all. So you've got. I mean, yeah, you've got that that kill, which we've elaborated on. You got the guy getting killed in the dick. You've got the. Uh, oh God, let's see. The asshole businessman gets swallowed by a. Uh, what was that? It was a boa constrictor? The python. Python. Yeah, it was python. one of the. One of the one of the dirtier ones, and probably one of the. Uh, it's it's also it's blindingly obvious where the R-rated reshoots are. Yes, which again is fine. It's fine, because like it doesn't. Is... Yeah, it didn't take much. I mean, fundamentally, this is an exploitation film. Um, it's the kind of movie that Roger Corman, uh, if if Corman watched this, I'm sure that he probably looked at it and was like, "Yeah, I, w- I would have made this." You'd be I, proud. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I kind of would love to see what that looks like. Uh, but but there's one of the more explicit ones is there's uh, a woman that's sleeping, and <clears throat> me, they're, the snakes are like invading the, uh, starting to invade the cabin, and it starts like slithering up her leg, and she's like, hmm. Yeah. It's like okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. There are a few. There are a few uh, near misses in that first, like when they first start invading i forget specifics but that's the one i remember mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of stuff like that again uh the pilots all get taken out and of course the the um you know and this is also set up this is one that didn't necessarily have to be set up but they did anyway the um the oxygen masks 
They drop down, and of course, snakes also drop down. Mm-hmm. Because that's a that's a scare you had to get in the movie. Of course, this movie doesn't even miss the bulletproof vest uh, scare. Oh God, yeah. When after they've landed, a snake jumps out and bites the MacGuffin on the chest, and uh, Jackson shoots him dead in the chest. And of course, we already know that there's the scene where he then reveals that he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Because we have to have that scene. Yeah. But that's that's also a moment where they've landed safely, you know, they've you know, they're starting to distribute the antivenom. It's one of those things where you know like you know that the movie is trying to lull you into a sense of every it's safe, we're fine. It's like, no, the movie's still going, we're not safe. Mm. <laughs> and so of course you've gotta have that one last jump scare, which is well executed. Uh this is just Ah, this is such an absurd movie. This is a movie where Keenan Thompson saves the day. Yes, he does. Also, another trope breaker, none of the black people die. They all survive. Yeah. Every black character survives. Yeah. That's, I mean, obviously you know Jackson's going to survive because, you know, he's the name above the title. Yeah, I mean, this movie does have fun zigzagging tropes. The pilots are also a big thing. Of course, one one of them gets bitten, and you know the other one. The other one is Rob Corddry, so you know he's uh, D- David Koechner was the one that's the other one. They're both bald guys that play assholes. So there you go. <laughs> uh, and at one point, you think that Rob Corddry is dead, and he comes right back up. Yeah, he he just shoots right. But of course, he will ultimately die, and it uh, falls on them to find a replacement pilot, and they find it in Thompson playing video games. He reveals that he's played flight simulators enough to succeed. Which is something that they don't immediately reveal. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Is there anyone here who knows how to fly a plane? I know Kalanis plane. Who? Him. Yeah, you. Come on, Troy. You know how to fly? I mean, I got over 2,000 hours. It's like, yeah. Because several people have pointed this out on message boards, no, of course that would not really work. No, of course not. (laughs) But again, look at what movie you're watching. Yeah. (laughs) Describing this movie is hard because it's more that you just need to experience it. Uh, The guy that was brought in to direct after the original director bolted, uh, David R. Ellis, um, is uh, a longtime second unit guy. He did uh, second unit work on the Matrix uh, sequels. And um, also directed um, a couple of the Final Destination movies. He did Homeward Bound 2, which we will be covering in a couple of weeks, it occurs to me. That was the kind of stuff that he did. Um, Ellis, he did a lot of kind of weird, fun movies. Uh, Sadly passed away recently. Uh, He he has a good eye for action. He has a good eye. Uh, One thing I like about this movie, it is well lit. it doesn't it is rely very well lit, yeah. It doesn't rely too much on the trope of darkness. Uh yeah. to cover No, I mean, it's it's a beautiful looking movie. It's it's surprisingly well shot. Um I I, I I I attribute that maybe to the fact that it was cheap by nature, the fact they only had one real set. I mean, you know, they only had one real location. I mean, you know, there's different settings within that location, but it, it's 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 a fairly confined film. Uh, a lot of the film takes place in just those few sets. Um, this is a, this is a fun movie, and I I don't know that it's easy to convey that in audio form. This is just 
This is a movie that people did not understand and didn't give a chance. And it frustrates me that they didn't because, I, and I think that kind of stems to the fact that it's hard to sell, it's hard to riff on movies that are so bad it's good and try to intentionally make a good one. I don't think audiences get that. Yeah, I think the best way to sell it to people is to just say, well, this is this is an A movie that is paying homage to the B movies. And doing it with real love, doing it with no condescension. This is a movie that really does love those movies and really does understand them. I guess that's the reason I like this movie so much is it understands how the B movies work and it understands that they do work. It plays with these tropes, but it really does get them. Um, but that's hard to sell to people because most people are going to think that if you're dealing with any of those tropes, then it must be bad, period. Um, I mean, people, when you ask people what their favorite bad movie is, I've had, some, I've had at least one person tell me Evil Dead 2, just to convey how little I think people understand. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's not, it's, it's, uh... That's a good movie. It's supposed to be that way. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good movie. It's supposed to be that way. That's a really good movie. Yeah, that's, that, that was a three and a half stars from Roger Ebert movie. That, that was, that was a good movie. <laughs> I just don't think people get, people didn't get what this was. And also, they'd spent so much time hyping it up as a bad movie that the idea that it might actually be legitimately good, nobody was prepared for it. Even a lot of the positive reviews read like, well, I didn't think this was going to be any good, but it turned out it was. And that's all because n no one got what it was. And that's a shame. Um, and, yeah, we think that... Uh... This movie is due for its, like, I think it's, it's time has come. It's time for people to really give this one a shot. I think this is a, this is a fun movie. And in the climate where uh, films like The Room and A Talking Cat and Troll 2 are popular, this one should be, you know, not quite, not in the same category as those, but no. this one would probably be better appreciated. It's, it's a, okay, here's the way that I see it. Uh, I tried to watch Birdemic with Amanda. Couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Couldn't get through it. Yeah. And in all fairness, I don't yeah. blame her. Birdemic is very hard to get through. Okay. It is a very hard sit. If you're someone that's in, you know, dealing with that world, you know, if you want to show a movie to people that, you know, is like that, this is a good movie that you use to ease them into the idea of looking at these kinds of things. Because, again, it does... It doesn't take itself at all seriously. It, I don't know. It doesn't take itself seriously, but at the same time, when it is time to to get down to the scares and you know the kills, it it takes those seriously. Like, like it try. I guess the best way to put it is, it tries to be what it is, and it tries to be it all the way. It's never ashamed to be the movie that it is. That's the thing that's so bad about so many movies that are trying to like riff on bad movies is they're ashamed to be what they are. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about Birdemic 2, is it's ashamed to be what it is. Yeah, I think you're right on that. This one's very happy to... This one is... This one's not only happy, it's giddy to be what it is. Um, it is. I don't know, this This is a good one to ease people in on. And it's a fun movie. It it It's very much a, a throwback to the 70s, is what it really reminded me of. The 70s B-movies, where you'd... You know, airport, uh, movies like that. The movies that Airplane was riffing on. That's what this feels like. 
is it's a riff on those. I mean, honestly, this movie and Airplane would make for a hell of a double feature. It would, yeah. <laughs> and I and I say that with the highest praise. So, yeah. But again, audiences didn't know what this was. It was, you know, and I really kind of blame New Line for leaning into the memes a little too hard. I think New Line yeah. leaned into trying to play up the idea that it might be a so bad it's good movie. And didn't. I mean, and this is, it was, it was, again, this was the first example of where we really understood that internet hype did not translate to anything. There'd be several other movies through the years that would serve as examples of this. Um, just just about nine months later or so, uh, roughly, uh, you had Grindhouse, which, huge internet hype, flopped. Yeah, which, that one, I am proud to say that I did see, I did get to see, and that is such a theater film. That is such <laughs> a theater film, because I saw it in theaters, too. Yeah. I actually st- saw it yeah. late, late, late at night. Like, I, the movie didn't start until after midnight. And, uh, yeah, you really, you literally feel like you have to be wearing a seatbelt. Yeah, I was, in that movie. like, I didn't get out of that movie until, like, well after 3 a.m., or that set of movies, because that experience, let's call it. Yeah, yeah. Because there are two movies. Uh, I didn't get out of that until 3 a.m., until well after 3 a.m. I wasn't tired. But that was another one where the marketing on that one was atrocious. Uh, we, we covered that when we covered that, uh, set of films. The marketing on that was oh, we did, pretty yeah. bad, uh. Because, again, they were trying to sell an experience of, is it so bad it's good, or is it actually good? And I I don't know, it was a confused project. That almost sank Quentin Tarantino's career, really. He, he yeah, he had to he had to come back strong with that, with uh, Inglorious Bastards, which he did. Oh, did he? Uh, this is, this, uh, but again, that one, uh, and then sadly we have to, you know, you had the same thing where there was huge internet buzz for Kick-Ass. Didn't translate to shit in the theaters. No, which is fine. That one can die. <laughs> it's alright. That one is one that I liked a lot at the time, but as time goes by, I think I, I feel like I like it less and less. I think Matthew Vaughn has gotten better as a filmmaker. Um, Espen First Class is still great. Um, Kingsman was great. Yeah, he's gotten better. Which, by the way, talk about great Samuel L. Jackson performance. Uh, oh, that's true. He is awesome in that movie but you know you had movies like that where there was huge internet buzz but it didn't translate to anything kick-ass didn't do much business now again it's funny because i'm saying all these movies that didn't perform well in theaters you know what they all have in common i saw every single one of these movies in theaters every single one of the ones that i'm describing you know of course you've also got scott pilgrim versus the world which i yeah which nothing more needs to be said which again, huge internet buzz, uh, couldn't crack more than four. That one had an excellent market marketing campaign too. Oh yeah, Universal. Uh, you know what? Credit due to Universal, they marketed that one wonderfully. They could not have done a better job. They sold the movie perfectly well. Yeah, it's like what you, you know, what you see in the trailers is what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's it's one of the best trailers I've seen cut together. Um. You know, you've also got examples. Serenity. Huge, 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 huge internet buzz. Oh my god, people were so excited about it. It opened at number four. You know, huge, huge, huge buzz for The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Meh. Yeah. It did okay. 
Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, again, movies movies I love, but they did okay. And so, you know, eventually studios stopped trusting internet response. You know, Watchmen underperformed. Of course, I, I saw that one twice in theaters. And eventually studios started to realize what... Yeah, that's a great movie. That's I mean, that's an outright great motion picture. It's one that I have, yeah, I have definite problems with. Like, definite glaring problems with just because of Zack Snyder. But, yeah. uh, you know, we've talked about that. But, I mean, it's still, it's still a wonderful... Uh, movie and a great and and probably the truest uh, adaptation of that comic that they could that there could ever be. Short of an HBO series, yeah. And I don't know that I would want. Yeah, it. yeah. And I don't know that I'd want that e- either. To be honest, I, I'm I'm sorry. I, I I feel like I feel like a lot of the fat was trimmed on that one for the movie, and it did the job. So, but we've discussed that one very early on in the cast. Let's Oh yeah, and it was great. <laughs> mm. But let's you know, but eventually studios stopped trusting internet buzz because you can't get any read. You know, audiences would get so excited, you know, if you look at the tracking and you the message boards and these communities, people would talk so much about these movies and not go see them. And it got to the point for which, okay, say that a movie does great at Comic-Con, you can't trust that it's going to do well in theaters um so many movies came out came out of comic-con with huge buzz nobody went yeah i mean it's at a point for which a lot of studios have actually stopped going to comic-con because they've realized they can't it doesn't translate it's not a gauge that they can read no and it's because it's because that's not a good it's not a fair audience it's not a general audience sample but again internet hype stopped being trusted and all of that is bringing, bringing us to the most current example where people are trying to study internet hype. Because the thing about it is, of late, though, it hasn't been as far off the mark. Um, now, obviously, Star Wars had huge hype, but nobody cared about that uh, in terms of the internet reaction because, well, Star Wars, you know. Well, it was gonna, it was Star Wars. It was going to make money no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it really made money because it was awesome. Yeah, people went back to see that multiple times, which I wish, I wish I could. Yeah, <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably work in at least one more viewing before it goes out of theater. But there's some people I'd like to take to see it. Um, but okay, so you got Star Wars, and that was awesome. Um, you know, but but uh, you know, in terms of internet hype, obviously certain things have started to prove a little bit more reliable. Um. And all that brings us to the most recent uh, case where the internet really went crazy for a film, and that was Deadpool. Yes, and that came out just last week at this point. Yeah, uh, it's it just it's just gone through its second weekend. Um, I have not seen it. You have. In fact, a week a week ago, at right this very moment, I was sitting down in a theater to watch it. I, I may see it for my birthday. Actually, that that may be what I do. Um, oh, that would I recommend that. Yeah, I think that'd be a good way to do it. Um, so you've got Deadpool, um, and that's a case where the internet hype was also huge, and it and it translated to monster box office. It translated pretty much one to one. And and I've seen several people trying to figure out, okay, what happened there? Why why did that one? Which on the surface, actually, there are some similarities between that and Snakes on a Plane. 
the internet was really excited about it. There was all kinds of, you know, reaction. Why did that one get the reaction that, but it, why did that one translate? Why did that one make it? And this one didn't. I can explain that one really simply. Audiences knew what they were getting in that case. Yeah, because Deadpool, Deadpool comics exist. Yeah. Like one of my friends said the other day, he was like, well, I'll bet Deadpool is going to get more focus in the comics. I just started laughing. <laughs> no, he probably won't, actually. Uh, he won't get more focus because it's not possible for him to get more focus than he gets. Uh, Marvel has been on this train for a good few years now. That's the entire reason that the movie exists. I, I think that one really was able to overcome the internet hype bubble because audiences did know what they were getting and they looked forward to it. They wanted that. It was clearly explained. Audiences knew that they were getting a superhero movie that wasn't a standard superhero movie. Yes. And speaking of speaking of great marketing campaigns, this one actually did like it was more strangely, it's a more uh, like the true marketing campaign was a more underground affair because it had a lot to do with the red band trailers. And I think I do believe that the first one again was at uh, Comic Con. Okay, now that one did, yeah, and that one translated huge, but but yeah, it was it just it just made it apparent that this is not a movie you take your kids to. Yeah, this is just for you. Wink, wink. Yeah, what? I... Again, I can't get past the fact that what probably really helped this one was the fact that the audiences that were showing up for it, they knew who Deadpool was. They wanted a Deadpool movie. And by God, they got one. They got it, yeah. This is... Um, now, I've only, I only have one Deadpool comic under my belt, but from what... And, well, and the video game, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Which the video game really cannot be underestimated in terms of how that built the buzz for the film. Uh, for the character, because the video game was very popular. Yeah, it's so it's so perfect. It's so great. Um, it's everything you'd expect. Well, the guy that wrote it, uh, Daniel Way, wrote some of the best comics for the character, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, and I will say there is like there's they don't skimp on the fourth wall. I'm gonna say that too. It's there is one part where he, you know, in a film full of gore, where they've you know, in a in a moment where they've shown you a lot of really kind of messed up things. There is a part where he, where Deadpool like is about to kill a guy and he, and he puts his hand on the camera and, and like tilts it away from him and says, you might want to look away for this one. Nice. And then you hear the kill. Nice. Yeah. I, I am looking forward to seeing it. I, I, I do definitely want to see it. Um, I may wind up eating my words, but I really kind of doubt I will. I mean, if I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. But anyway, I, again, I, I just... Here's the question, though, that we then must ask is, does Internet Buzz translate? Did, you know, because it did there... Well, it might... Yeah, I mean, there are factors. Um, it's hard to say because, you know, this might be the... Uh, Deadpool might just be the exception to the rule. But I don't even. But the thing about it is, I don't even know that it ultimately that that movie is even ultimately a good. I brought it up, but even I'm going to have to stop and go. Is it really an example? Because at the end of the day, it's old-fashioned popularity of the character that really drove that box office and good quality marketing. I think what it comes down to is we have to is mimetic marketing. 
doesn't work. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if I really step back and assess the failure of snakes on a plane, I think it really comes down to the fact that nobody stepped in and tried to explain that actually this was a good movie. I think, I think, I think more, I think uh, New Line got a little too happy with the idea of we might have a potential cult classic and stoked the cult without ever trying to draw them into the actual theater. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about cult about cult movies is that most of the time they don't do they don't do well initially. That's you know that's the whole point of cult is that it's this really small niche group that's like that's like really really devoted. Mm-hmm. If you try to market to that instead of you know marketing it broad, it's not going to sell. And that's really what New Line did because this could have been a mass audience film. I really do believe this had all the makings of a good, solid mass audience film. And it just didn't get there because they played too hard to the audience. They played too hard to, to that cult audience, but they didn't realize that that cult audience wasn't going to show up either. It's it's dangerous to try and play on memes and and things like that. I, I don't know. This film, and I and I feel like the preemptive playing to the cult also probably has a lot to do with why this movie never did find its cult audience. Yeah, because you can't really you can't really sell to an audience that doesn't exist yet. Like I can't help but wonder if this movie had been given the time and chance to build its audience organically, you know, if they'd maybe played it a little straighter on the marketing, maybe it would have done okay. I mean, and maybe the audience would have found it. Because as it stands, no one really wants to go in and rediscover this film because they feel like they already know what it is. And it's I, like, no, you don't. You really don't know what this is. I, I'm not going to say this is any kind of golden, astonishing movie. It's not. It's, it's not exactly hot fuzz as action comedies go. But this is a really fun movie that definitely deserves better. It is, yeah. It, and it's... It goes at a quick pace, and it really, really holds your attention and does not let go. It does. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's clever. This is this is a better movie than it got. Then this is a movie that deserved much better than it got, and that's frustrating to me. I, I do recommend it. I mean, I do recommend it easily. Um, I also recommend, and this is going to be a rarity that I'm going to do. I recommend the novelization because the novelization is actually one of the best I've ever read. Um. The novelization actually fleshes out the stories of every single character in the movie. Even extras, even extras get their stories fleshed out. This is the novelization. Uh, Krista Faust is the writer, and I want to make sure to get her name in there because I want to point out it's the best movie novelization I've ever read, period. And I've read a lot of movie novelizations. That's not me being nice. This really is the one that I think yeah, no. is the best. Yeah, no, if you've read Austin's book, which... You should should. I'm saying, then you'll know that yeah, his history with uh, movie novelizations. Yep, he has read a lot of them. I read a lot of them, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I read a lot. I, I still read Italians. I'm listening to an X Files one right now. That's actually pretty good. Actually, pretty good. It, it includes some of the worst stuff I've ever seen with this brand name on it, but it includes some great stuff too. So, including a couple of stories that are really actually mind blowingly good. So yeah. Um, you may hear more about this. You may have already heard more about this uh, by the time that uh, my little special episode is going to go up. Uh, but yeah, 
I just, I don't know. This is a movie that I do recommend people find. I recommend watch it. And here's what I say. Watch it. Have a couple of drinks as you're watching it. And just sit back and relax. This. Yeah, that's what I did. Uh, this is a movie that Hard Root Beer was made for. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. That's, this is completely what this is made for. So uh, that's my recommendation on the film. I, I do definitely recommend it. Yeah, Snakes on a Plane. Cheers. You'll find your audience yet. Yeah. Well, we'll do what we can. You can find us on our blog, The Source of the Cast, at uh, thefilmroom.podbean.com. And uh, you can find us on iTunes. We usually post there the day after. Um, please rate and review us on iTunes. That's how we get found. That's how, uh, that's how you all find us. And, uh, and I see we, by the way, I see we've got actually a couple of subscribers directly on the feed. So cheers to you guys. Please do subscribe. Uh, Yeah. Please subscribe. Like it, you know, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on the feed, you know, either way works. I mean, it's, yeah. Um, cheers to you. Find us on the Twitters. Uh, uh, Austin is at Untitled User. I am at PrimitiveManPRD. And there's still the secret Twitter up there. I'm going to give you a rare hint as to what this is. I'm just going to say it starts with a C. Yeah. It starts with a C. That's the first hint for y'all. Mm-hmm. We're getting ever closer to the actual reveal of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there you go. So, there's a small hint for you. So, yeah. Um, we'll find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Film Room. And, yeah, we always update on there. And, uh, Nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, which has been going pretty strong mm-hmm. this year. So, you got that coming? You can find that on thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com. Uh, and I tell you, 96 is a great year for movies, good and bad. Yep, it was an interesting year for movies. Let's leave it at that. Oh, yeah. We just passed We just passed Happy Gilmore, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. We... Happy Gilmore and uh, Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah. So, yeah. that's... that's. Come read our opinions on those. Mm-hmm. You can email us at filmroompodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us love, hate, whatever you want to send us. We'll listen. Um, and of course, yeah, last but not least, the Patreon. Um, your continual support means a lot to us. And, um, yeah, we should probably, we should probably announce this now. The, um, okay, we have, we have, of course, our $30 mark, which we are a stone's throw from. Mm. Like, all we need is, like, 7 or $8, and we're there. Um, and that's the website, and we'll be able to maintain a website with that. Yes. And, um, yeah, so that's that's our big goal now. Well, we are going to tack a little incentive onto that. <laughs> we just did. You remember a couple of weeks ago, Austin, when we did... Please, uh, please stop. Oh, God, please stop. I, I, I'm not going to be forgetting that anytime soon. Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. Because if we hit 30, we're going to watch, not only will we get the website, but we're going to watch God's Not Dead 2. Yeah. And if you heard our cast on that, you know how much we don't want to do that. We will, we will suffer for you guys. Yeah. We will suffer for you. 
Yeah, you have no idea how much that we are willing to suffer for our own website. So yeah, well let's let's thank our patron our patrons who have been there. Um, let's mix it up. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Sean from No Totally. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you, Sheila. Uh, thank you, Nathan. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, thank you, guys. One last plug that we have to get in. Go to Amazon, people. Please go to Amazon. A Flickering Life is the book. All you have to do is type in Austin Shin and that it comes right up. Please, A Flickering Life is the name of the book. Uh, a memoir of autism. Please, I, I worked hard on it. Read it. Buy it and read it. And so... It's years, it's years in the making. It, it really is. It actually is. So, um... Till then, keep watching the skies. Go watch Snakes on Play. All I see is sunny skies. Every time I look into your eyes. Here we go again, my friend. Staying together until the end. It's gonna be a lovely day. is enough! I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! Everybody strap in! I'm about to open some freaking windows. <laughs>